Joyride podcast. John is my name. And Ian is my name. And we're feeling very chipper today because we're oh. on the dawn of a new era. Oh, we are indeed. A new a new government awaits us this week. A new light, new hope. Oh, a new, a new beginning. Hope. Oh, it's gonna be so good. It's well, gonna be so so good. It's great because I mean the country's already on the up. So that's exciting. It is. Um, and, and, we're things, and and yeah, it's only going to get better. Like Dream said when Tony Blair came in. <laughs> I know, we're about to get tax cuts as well. That's just what we need. Get the economy going. It's definitely what, it's definitely what people on benefits who don't work need. Tax cuts. Yes. Oh, and a, nas- yeah, and a national insurance cut as well. I mean, don't Again, people, that. people who, low earners who don't pay national insurance, they're going to be absolutely delighted about that when yeah, their I- seven or £800 electricity and gas bill comes in in November. Ah, but you're forgetting, you're forgetting, Ian, that we're also going to get a corporation tax cut. That is true. I forgot about the corporation tax cut because that does affect people on benefits. Yes. Um, let's not also forget that we're going to get a big increase in defence spending. Mm. So Again, important when you can't turn your electricity on. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I get the sense that you don't think that perhaps this is going to be the start of a new dawn, Ian. Mm. Well, it, it's, it's been framed as, you know, this, it's like this clean sweep this new government's going to start this week and they're going to undo the mess of the last 12 years of governance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, looking at, I mean, obviously we don't know for definite what's going, we don't know who's won yet. I mean, it, it, obviously all indication is it's going to be Liz Truss. But, you know, there's been hints of who she's going to appoint to her cabinet. And it's basically just the same people that were in the cabinet before. I mean, Theresa Coffey is going to be the health minister. That's terrifying. <laughs> Nadine, Nadine Doris is still going to be the culture minister. Well, it's either she's going to be the culture minister or she's going to be elevated to the House of Lords. Or the Chancellor. <laughs> no, I think there, there, is, there is talk. That would even, but you know what? That wouldn't even surprise me if they made her like Deputy Prime Minister. Oh, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't at this point. Nothing would surprise me now. Yeah. But I think the idea is, is there not some plan? Is it something like um, Nadine Doris is going to get elevated to the House of Lords so that Lord David Frost... Mm. can run for parliament in a safe seat and become an MP so that he can actually take up a full role in the cabinet. Because right. uh, if he's not already done enough damage to the country, Lord Frost. <laughs> it was supposed to be that he was going to be foreign secretary at one point, but I think they've decided that having a lord as foreign secretary is probably a step too far in the 21st century. Um, we haven't had one since um, the Falklands War, whose mm. name escapes me now. But... Um, but yeah, Lord Harrington, I think maybe. But um, I think that yeah, we're we're into a strange world where Jacob Rees-Mogg is going to be the business, energy, and industry spokesman. Mm. I mean, not spokesman. I wish he was just a spokesman. He's going to be a cabinet <laughs> minister. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I thought they might just be, you know, as gaslighting as possible and make him the minister for because I reckon they'll create a cost of living minister, and it's going to be Rees-Mogg. I mean, if they don't, if they don't create a cost of living uh, minister, then by definition, as the energy secretary, he's going to yeah, be that, it. Yeah, that's true. He will be it. And I mean, he's and he is probably the most in touch with the common people, isn't he? 
I mean, he'll be telling. I don't just mean because he's got like a. He looks a bit like Jarvis Cocker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're gonna have it that he's gonna be telling you know working class people just to throw another child on the fire. I mean, you know that will save you money and give you fuel. Mm. You know that's kind of the world we're living in, where it's just, it's, it, you know, we really are through the looking glass. It's really very, very odd at the moment. Um, it's very difficult to feel any about. I mean, I, we, I mean, anyone that's been listening to this for a while knows that we've not been feeling. Last week we talked pretty much exclusively about the cost of living, and the fact that we have this situation where we've not had a prime minister for about three months. Mm. I mean, mm. leadership, we've not had any kind of um, reassurance that things are going to be okay. I mean, you get these odd sound bites of Boris saying, like, oh, no, don't worry, stuff's coming down the line. It's going to be great. Buy a kettle for £10 or £20, whatever <laughs> it was he said this week. Buy, buy a kettle for £20. Three years. I know it was a it was a work of genius. I think I think that's really quite frustrating. Is that we're in you know cost of living crisis, social emergency, whatever you want to call it, and uh, we're a week further on since we last spoke, and literally nothing material has changed. Well, the only thing uh, is, the only thing that's changed is the fact that more businesses have probably had to shut their shut their doors and stop trading. Yeah, because you're actually seeing those stories now, aren't you? You're seeing those yeah. stories where people are, and 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 with some shops, it's thankfully with some shops, it's um, they're having to shut there as a shop, but they're staying online, so the mm. business hasn't folded yet. But um, the the idea that I mean, how how sort of um, the entertainment industry? I'm not meaning the entertainment industry. I mean in restaurants and stuff. What do you call yeah. that? <laughs> what do you call them? <laughs> hospitality? The hospitality industry. <laughs> oh my goodness, I just could not think of that. The you hospital- go to you like you like a restaurant where they turn up with like a top hat and a sparkly waistcoat <laughs> and, and a magic wand. Oh, it's <laughs> the entertainment industry. <laughs> Show us a trick. But, um, the hospitality. I do not understand how the hospitality industry is supposed to survive. I just don't no. get it. I don't get how they're supposed to. You know, even the, the two parts of the hospitality industry that me and you are the only real two parts that me and you actually engage with would be um, a restaurant and mm. um, a cinema, if you yeah. count that kind of as hospitality industry. Um, mm. But they're very energy heavy. Yeah, absolutely. They just are. And you're kind of like how uh, you see some of these celebrity chefs, because that's the only time we're really seeing it bit, get through to the news at the moment. But celebrity chefs saying, you know, oh, my, my energy bill's gone from like 32,000 to 230,000. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to do that. You know? It's... Well, other than putting prices up, but then customers can't afford your current prices, so you can't really mm. do that. Mm. And obviously we're all, we're starting to get, it's reached that time of year where, where, where pay offers are being suggested mm. by employers, both in the public and in the private sector. And, um, Five percent increases are supposed to be considered, you know, we really have to rip your arm off of them. And I'm like, oh, that's still a five percent cut in your real term yeah. wages. Yeah, you know, in uh, normal times, a five percent pay rise is not bad. But when inflation is sitting the way it is just now, and your gas and electricity bills have gone are going up by eighty percent, a five percent pay rise is it's nothing. Really and also, nothing. and also to bear in mind as well is for the last 12 years, but especially the last two years, um, in the public sector at least, um, 
public sector workers have been told they have to, you know, tighten their belts because of COVID mm. um, and paying for COVID. So they've had below inflation increases for the two years prior to this. And now um, another below inflation pay rise now. It's, um, it's quite shocking. But I think rather than talk about the cost of living crisis, which we could do easily for the next mm. probably three and a half hours, yeah. uh, I think as much as we're excited about this new dawn, yeah. as much as we're excited about the, the hope and the joy that the nation will be feeling come um, Tuesday, we should also take a moment to celebrate the great, the lion of Brexit. The defender of you. Sorry, what did you say? The the lying of Brexit? (laughs) (laughs) The lion of Brexit, of course. The defender of Ukraine. The king of COVID. The victor of vaccines. We need to take a moment to celebrate Alexander Boris de Feffel Johnson. Mm. Yeah, because he's not had enough... No, so I feel that first of all, Ian, I want you to give me your genuine appraisal of how you think he did. I don't want you to be influenced by the mainstream media. I do not want you. No, because if I was influenced by the mainstream media, see, it's not a great job. He got the big calls, right? <laughs> I don't want you to be all woke. Mm. I want you to give me your honest view on how Mr. Johnson has been as prime minister. Be honest. Um, in terms of his achievements, I would say he's when he's had to, he's done the bare minimum, and that's about it. That's a, that's about as good as I can give him, really. You know, because okay. I mean, to to give him, I'm not. This is not at all for his appallingness. But to be fair, he is being judged in a time that no other. I mean, he has had for about two thirds of his premiership, COVID to deal with. He hasn't dealt with it well, but COVID has been going on in the background, which does make things slightly less normal than you could maybe judge Theresa May or Gordon Brown or Tony Blair. But in terms of like what he's actually done, like good things that he's done, I mean, you you could think of like the furlough scheme was a good idea. He had nothing to do with that. That was a treasury and maybe a bit of Rishi Sunak. Um, you know, getting the vaccines out quickly. I mean, again, he decided to give um, Kate Bigham a, like a, just a blank checkbook and she went and did that. And that was lucky. That and, and that that was good for a wee bit. And then eventually, other countries caught with us and went past us in terms of vaccinating the population. Ukraine, um, he gave money to Ukraine, but I mean, so would Theresa May, so would Gordon Brown. So well, I don't know about Liz Trust. She might keep it for herself or give it to somebody. I don't know. Liz Trust probably doesn't know what Ukraine. I should probably give it to you know Slovakia instead. Back. And <laughs> I've just given seventeen tanks to Slovakia. The wrong country, Liz. <laughs> I know. I meant to do that. But um, yeah. So like the reaction to Ukraine, which that that's everyone said that's his biggest achievement. He gave money to Ukraine, which any prime minister would do. Um, so all of those things are things that he had to react. They were reactive things, things that were kind of thrust in his face. And in all circumstances, he was quite late to the party in all of them. I don't mean to use the word party deliberately, but um, all those things, that's, you asked me, you texted me during the week and said, I'm going to ask you to think about Boris's achievements. Mm. And in terms of the, I mean, I would say furlough, getting the vaccine out reasonably quickly and helping support Ukraine. But that's stuff that you would expect any prime minister. Cameron would have done it. Theresa May would have done it, Gordon Brown, Tony Blair, Margaret Thatcher, John Major, they would have all done those things. They would have got the vaccine out, 
they would have helped Ukraine and the furlough scheme, yeah, they would have had to do something like that. But that's it. Because mm. the only legacies I can see are negative ones. Um, you know, we, we're we going to get less trust probably as a Prime Minister this week. And the legacy that Boris Johnson is leaving us is the is that kind of like the tarnishing of the position that he was in, that the public office, the position of Prime Minister by just his behaviour, the lies, the kind of bare-faced brazen lies that Liz Truss is now doing, where she's just saying one thing and then denying it two hours later. I don't think Liz Truss would have done that had she been following on from Theresa May because she wouldn't have got away with it. No. But Boris Johnson has greased that wheel to the point where she can say, oh, I think teachers and nurses should have their pays cut. And then two hours later say, like, I never said that. That was the media twist in my words. I, I never said that. I mean, obviously she didn't say those exact words, but that is kind of what happened. She, yeah. she kind of she floated her ideas of what she wanted to do, and it was basically make public sector workers take a pay cut. There was a terrible reaction to it online, and then two hours later she was like, well, I didn't. That's just the media. That's just fake news media stirring up fear. I, I never said that. So, um, so can I ask you a, def- a different question? We've kind of, um, if anyone has been listening to, 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 to our shows for a while... Let me ask you a different question then. There are a lot of intelligent, rich people who, and when I say rich, I don't mean rich, rich, I mean wealthy uh, people, university educated to a large extent, who are members of the Conservative Party, who are our Tory party voters, who would prefer Boris Johnson to stay in power rather than either Truss or Sunak or any other, uh, you know, any potential other that there is in the Tory party at the moment. You know, they might choose Margaret Thatcher over him, but, you know, anyone that's current and available, uh, they would choose Boris Johnson. So other than, and don't get me wrong, as I think obviously the media and the right-wing media and the Telegraph and the Times have a big part to play in this, but why do you think he ticks so many boxes for those people that even now, even after everything you've just said, they would Mm -hmm. still rather him than... Oh yeah, we both agree that Truss is, is 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 subpar. But Sunak or any other potential Tory candidate, what why does what is it about him that makes oh, them still want him there? I mean, it's difficult to answer that because I've never I've never understood the appeal of him, really. Because he's he was he was dreadful when he was foreign secretary. Um, he was dreadful when he was the mayor of London. He was dreadful when he was the host of Vagan News for You. Um, he was a dreadful husband. He was a dreadful journalist. You know, you look at his back catalogue, he's, he's been rubbish at everything that he's done. So there was never any indication that he was going to be good at being a prime minister because he, te- he was terrible. I mean, he's been, how many times did he get sacked for lying? Mm. Three, four? I mean, certainly he was, the two times when he was a journalist, he was sacked for printing mistruths. He was sacked from was it Michael Howard. He lied to about his affair. Yeah, shadow um, cabinet. Yeah, from the shadow cabinet before the Tories came into power. Um, so his track record's not good. I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I know there's that kind of he's got a personality, and people say that he's a bit of a showman. But he's a I mean, you know, like Hugh Jackman was the greatest showman, right? <laughs> in that film, Boris Johnson's got to be like one of the rubbishest showmen because he's not a good showman. He can't, it... he can't speak. And I know people say that he does that deliberately and it's part of his charm, but he just genuinely can't speak. He can't put sentences out a lot of the time. Um, 
I know is, that's meant to be seen as like in a disarming. Go on, sorry. Go on, no, what I was going to say is, do you think that is actually the thing though? Is that unlike everyone else, even you know, I mean, Tony Blair was kind of ever since Tony Blair, and 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 if you take Tony Blair, pretty much is year zero. And, and to, cause to a certain extent, politics started again in 1997. There was a cycle. These things come in cycles. And, and, and uh, you know, in, in terms of presentation, at least, mm-hmm. if not in terms of ideology, I think 1997 was year zero. Uh, and every politician ever since has spoken exactly like Tony Blair. Like, exactly. You can, you can record them and Cameron spoke like him, May spoke like him. Not as charismatic, perhaps. You know, Gordon Brown as well. They all use the same formulations. They all use the same style. It was all, they looked, they, they essentially looked the same. There was a great, uh, other than Blair, and, and Cameron could do it to an extent, have a bit of uh, colour about him, but essentially it was the same kind of speech, the same kind of uh, answers to all the questions. Let me be clear, for example, the way that they kind of, they don't point when they speak, but they kind of use their thumb in a mm. weird sort of fist mm. thumb thing. Um, and Boris Johnson came along and he didn't do that. Now, don't get me wrong. It was as artificial and as, um, and as, as scripted, I think, as anybody else's, but in that way that, you know, Tommy Cooper was a hopeless magician, apart from the fact that he knew exactly what he was doing all the time. Mm. You know, and, and Johnson has... That's the only way I can compare him to Tommy Cooper. But Johnson has that kind of um, scripted dishevelment, which uh, the it must have chimed with the public. That's the only thing I can but say. Who, I mean, like, you wonder what kind of person that chimes with, because I've never found him anything other than just awful. Whether he was on Have I Got News For You or he was being the mayor or being a politician, there's nothing about the speaks no he's no, I mean, you look at the way he's treated his wives the way he's denied the existence of some of his children um even the way he treated his mistresses hasn't been very nice he's and you know the i remember way back many years when they had that of him talking to his friend darius guppy sorry darius mm-hmm. guppy <laughs> um arranging to beat up that journalist who'd written stuff about mr guppy that he did. at that point you would think well he's surely done for now yeah, and it's you know, but the, but the, his career has basically been a well. Surely that's him done for now. Yeah, and and one of the things I was thinking is is and and this might be why and 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 I've tried to avoid it because I don't want to fall into that trap of of him not being to blame. It's very easy for us, I think, to to blame the mainstream media or blame the the right. When I say mainstream media, I don't mean the sort of BBC, which is what people on talk tv or lbc mm. might mean i mean like the the right wing um yeah. print print media the mail so express the, 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 ma- the mail yeah. express etc is that it's very easy to make him not um how to phrase this is that he's not responsible for his own um you know his own popularity or his own power just as well just as much as if you blame the media too much it robs individuals of their um sort of it robs them of their agency when they go to vote as if they can't, you know, we can see through the media, but they can't type thing. Uh, and so I think we have to be careful with that. But mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that, um, that one of the things with, 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 with him is that 
oh, I just can't even. I, it's 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 almost so baffling to you. Is that what where the mainstream media does come into it is if you think about what you said there about his personal life, and if you could imagine that any mainstream labor front bencher, whether they're in power or not at the time, but any mainstream labor front bencher who had treated their wives as Boris Johnson has and surviving that is baffling to me. Like they wouldn't even get a chance, Mm -hmm. but for some reason, and this is where I am confused is the media don't maybe go on about it, but you can go up and down this country and ask whether Boris Johnson has been a faithful husband. No one would say yes to that. And yet they forgive him that. Well, they just, you know, it's that, it's just Boris being Boris. It's priced in. We knew what we were getting. But but why did they allow it to be priced in? Because, like, if like if John Major's affair with Edwina Curry had come out at the time when he was Prime Minister, mm-hmm. he would not have been Prime Minister anymore. Wow. Uh, you know, th- th- you can say a lot of things about um, Tony Blair, Gordon Brown, David Cameron, Theresa May, but no one ever suggested any of them had been unfaithful. No. You know, uh, when Robin Cook had his affair, when David Blunkett had his affair... You know, when Damien Green was looking up some dodgy stuff on a computer, yeah. uh, he was considered no longer fit for his office. And yet, Boris, why is it priced in with him? I know. Remember, and not others. Remember when Amber Rudd accidentally gave the wrong information in an interview and she kind of misled, or was yes. it in Parliament? It was in Parliament, not in the interview. Yeah, she misled Parliament. But she, yeah. she, kind of, she gave the wrong, accidentally misled Parliament. She had to go. Never seen her again after that. No. And yet, we're now in a situation where Boris is paying a QC to try and scupper a, a a hearing into whether or not he deliberately misled Parliament. I know, and, and, so, and something that something that he's already apologised for, so he clearly did. Yeah, and the, but the most censorious of all our newspapers, the Daily Mail, is is not going after him for his personal life, and yet is defending him to the utmost in this mm. particular affair. Now, like James O'Brien, a man we both respect, is is basically thinks that is because Lord Dacre. Wants yeah, a, a peerage, a peerage. Yeah. but that doesn't make sense either because he's no longer the editor. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I doubt. I don't doubt he still has a lot of influence over the Daily Mail, but he's neither the owner of the newspaper nor the editor of the newspaper. So mm-hmm. there must be something more to it than that. And and when you talk about, and I'm going to sort of do a shift here, but it's before I forget to talk about it. Is we talk about him being the sort of defender of Ukraine. For 12 years, more than probably, but certainly for the last 12 years, up until January 2022, Boris Johnson has been one of the strongest defenders of Russians and Russian oligarchs oh, he's that best this pal- country has had. Yes. Best friends with the Lebedevs. Best friends with the Lebedevs. Like, there was this thing, I don't know if you saw it, it was, it was retweeted again, or maybe Sarah Vine, Michael Gove's um, estranged wife, discussed it in her newspaper column this weekend, but there was a call back to something which I remember from reading one of Tim Shipman's books a few years ago now about the Brexit vote and uh, what happened the days afterwards when um, and, and where it was talking about was on the night that Boris was swithering about whether to come out for Remain or Brexit mm-hmm. Remain or Brexit, he'd written these two articles for the Daily Telegraph as everyone now knows and Boris was there with his then wife Marina Wheeler also Michael Gove and Sarah Vine. They were all in the house, you know, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. What should I do? What should I do? Conversations, conversations. But there was one extra person at that 
that dinner party that night, and that was Evgeny Lebedev. Mm-hmm. Like, and so Evgeny Lebedev is, is, is like Zelig. He's been there all this yeah. way through everything that we've been discussing. The night after he won, um, the Conservatives won their bumper majority in 2019, Boris Johnson did not go for a party with a Conservative Party headquarters. He went to Alexander Lebedev's mm-hmm. Christmas party. Yeah. You know, like, this is the lion of Ukraine, the great defender of Ukraine. And I'm like, you were the one saying you didn't want to arm Ukraine and we should normalize relations with Russia for years. Yeah. De- denied the publication of the, the, the Russian investigation by the parliamentary committee and, and told MI6 not to look into it any further. Mm. This, is, this is this man. Well, this is, as I said, he is the man who has reacted to things when it suited him to do so. You know, we got the vaccine done. We, we, you know, furlough happened after much procrastination and talking about shaking hands with people and visiting his mum and Mother's Day. And also, yeah, he's given money to Ukraine, but having courted the, the Lebedevs and various other Russian oligarchs for, you know, a decade. Yeah. Um, so he, people like pat him in the head and go, well, he's done well, given Ukraine money. But as you said, he didn't want to arm Ukraine. And he was quite happy to take money off some dodgy Russians and break bread with them on a number of occasions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, um, and it's, you know, the way they talk about him now, they're saying like, people, how long is it? It's inevitable. When's he going to come back? When are we going to see him again? And you're like, why? <laughs> it's like Trump, it's the same with Trump. It's like, mm. you know, the people are talking about it, saying like, you know, well, obviously Trump's going to have another run at the White House. And you're like, Trump's under investigation of the FBI for stealing secrets. <laughs> <laughs> and they're still going like, yeah, but he is gonna, he is gonna run. He is gonna run. Clearly, he's gonna run. Um, as if that's that's normal. That's fine. And yeah. Boris Johnson's been, you know, never seen anything like that. That week where everybody resigned, basically, apart from Nadine Doris and Jacob B. Smog. <laughs> and yet, they're still like the, the sensible BBC commentators are saying like, but yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll probably come back. Let's be honest, it's expected. Yeah. Whereas other other politicians' careers have been ended, um, for much less than even just one of the things that he has done. Yeah. I'll ask you a question. What's the worst thing he's done? <laughs> honestly. Um, honestly, I think the worst thing he's done, I mean, I think you just have to say that I'm not sure which which of the choices you choose, but it's either being late to the first lockdown or being late yeah. to the second lockdown. You know, you can dance around all the rest of it. And, and don't get me wrong, and I kind of agree with the argument that the way he's debased public life mm. and debased what uh, the norms and how politics runs so that, you know, Liz Truss can say, oh, no, I'm not going to have an ethics advisor because I mm. believe, what, you know, that I am an honest and just person. And everyone just rolls with that as if that's now normal, as if it's fine. The, the people that, that obviously will degrade public lives for years and years and years. But directly i think he's responsible for at least 20,000 people dying yeah, yeah. in the first lockdown and 20,000 people dying what in the I find second lockdown so upsetting is when the, when his defenders his record they always say he got all the big calls right you know he got us through the pandemic and yeah. i agree with you i think the, the he probably got most wrong was his handling of covid you know mm. it was too late with his lockdown the fact that he was so cloudy and unclear with the mixed messaging at the start when he, he was telling people to be careful, and then he said, "Of course, I was. I want people to know that I was in a hospital, shaking hands with people that had COVID." Mm. And then when it got to the day, and they were talking about 
should people go and visit their mums? And they were saying, no, don't, don't. And at the end, they said, so you're going to visit your mum? And he did at first, and he went, yes, and of course I am going to visit my mum. So he couldn't help saying that. He couldn't help yeah. going against the, the, the sensible advice. And then we had the whole stuff with but the, the ridiculous situation with Dominic Cummings when he defended him because he wanted to keep him in a job, which completely muddied the water even further. And then yeah. we had all the, the, the second lockdown that he didn't want to do. He didn't want to take away Christmas. He wanted but, to let the, let the bodies pile, let mm-hmm. the bodies pile high. Um, the, look at the PPE, the absolute mismanagement of that. Yeah. Um, the money they gave to Track and Trace, the money they gave to Dido Harding, that £36 billion, most of which was wasted. You can do with that right now to give to people to pay their energy bills. And, and I think that that's the thing, isn't it? It's, 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 somebody said it the other day when I was at work about, you know, when there's ever a war, they find the money. When, mm-hmm. when there was Track and Trace, they found the money. Didn't even blink. Didn't even blink. There's £36 billion. No one knows where you're going to spend it on. And that's the thing, isn't it? You know, he got, we can say he got the big call, one of the big calls right and that he gave a blank check to Katie Bingham. But we, there was a 50-50 chance that he was going to hand it to the wrong person because that's exactly yeah. what he did with that uh, track and trace. Dido Harding, yeah. Yeah, there was just as much of a chance that it would well, have That's what I said, I said earlier on. He was lucky. He picked the right person. He got Kate yeah. Bingham. He didn't pick Dido Harding again. No, exactly. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think COVID is is where it kind of goes wrong because what we what we need, and I don't think, and this is not a criticism, but I don't think that this England television show that's going to right forum for it. I think we need to be quite clear-eyed and fine with it if it's even if it's somebody like um and you might you know your eyebrows are going to probably raise very high here somebody like Laura Kunzberg it doesn't really matter who at this point was to write a very clear-eyed history of of covid just going from January 2020 all the way through until um Ju- June of this year I guess you could say July of this year because I don't think unless we are hit by a wave that really nobody is expecting, COVID is going to be sort of um, endemic now rather than a pandemic. Mm. It's going to be with us, just like the flu is with us, but it might be a worse flu. But I don't think we're ever going to be in a, in a situation where lockdowns are going to be required again. Um, but I think that one of the things is, you know, and it is going to come into curriculums in school, but we forget, it's so easy to forget now the process of how things happened, the process of where we were, because, you know, I'm just going from first lockdown to second lockdown. Um, But actually, I didn't even mean the second lockdown. Now I'm just realising that I meant the third lockdown because there was a second (laughs) lockdown in November, which I've only just remembered as I'm thinking this through now. Um, And actually, I think it was the third lockdown that I was really meaning when I said was one of his worst moments. But, you know, eat out to help out. You know, we, we had that. We had the Freedom Day nonsense. We had even um, last summer where we were coming out of COVID and we we're going to be completely out of it, no restrictions by this 12th of July or something like that. And then they had to push it back to the 12th of August and all that mixed message. And the, the fact that he would go to hospitals in um, November time, December time of, of the COVID period and not be wearing a mask. You know, remember, yeah. we were all wearing masks and he wasn't in a hospital. And he was like, oh, well, I was just up until the moment I started speaking. And I'm like, you know, and uh, there was so much uh, that we don't remember about COVID. Because I think our brains have told us that it was probably a bit just, it was just too hard. Do you know, mm-hmm. e- even someone, I mean, I wasn't materially affected that badly, if truth be told. You know, mm-hmm. I stayed in work. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but. 
I like I say, I've utterly forgotten aspects of it. Just don't remember it. Blanked it out. You know, I thought I was listening to something this morning and I thought we got the vaccine um, in July 2020. But of course we didn't. I got my second vaccine in July 2021. Like I jumped, missed an entire year out. Yeah. It was just that it was the very end of 2020. The first arms. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it lasted so much longer than that mm-hmm. I think my brain allows me to do. And, you know, we're at 202,000 deaths, aren't we? Something yeah. around that. You know, and, and, and they showed... Um, uh, they showed a statistic actually the other day um, for I think it was June 2020 or was it July 2020 about the most COVID deaths in Europe and we are still 200 pe- more people died of COVID in Britain mm-hmm. than had in any other country in Europe just last month got all the big calls right all the big calls right all the big calls right uh, I'm pretty sure there's a Harry Radcliffe family would think he's had all the big calls right in all his political career <laughs> I think I think that's one of his worst things that he did was that bumbling that ended up leading to an innocent man oh. spending a number of years in a horrible jail. And and, and it's like you say is he did that when he was foreign secretary, and yeah. yet he still, still managed to get promoted. No, yeah. you know it's uh, the bullying, the bullying aspects, the idea. Is that I mean, Pretty Patel thing? That? Yeah. The, 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 the investigation found that Pretty Patel, who'd already been sacked from Theresa May's government, was a bully. The guy that found that she was a bully had to resign. And they ended up paying the victim about £375,000. So she was clearly a bully. And there she was, continuing to be the Home Secretary. Yeah. Still there. I know. And, and she'll and stay the, there. She'll still be there under Liz Truss. True. And the most pernicious, the most pernicious policy decision, because I don't think like the, the lockdowns was, was inaction and fear and, 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 and basically ineptness. I think the the most pernicious policy is that that is the policy about the Rwanda. Yeah, definitely. I, I I can't. I mean, there might be others, but I think that that probably is the most pernicious policy. Although taking away the twenty pound uplift in universal credit mm. is is incredibly tone deaf for an old Etonian to do. But mm-hmm. you know, but we don't care about tone anymore, so that doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't matter. Um, so but, yeah, all good. I mean, he's, he was a wonderful prime minister. He'll go down in history as. Second only to Churchill, maybe? Is that where we're putting him on the ranking? I'd say probably better than Churchill. Better than Churchill. Better Churchill than... never did it. Churchill never got stuck in a zip line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one, one of the things, you were right in what you're saying just before we move on. I just kind of I thought about it when you said it, is that you're, you're 100% right, is no one has had to face COVID. Um, you know, no, yeah. one, no, no other prime minister has had to deal with that. But, and I think that this is where the key difference is, and it's funny how present events make me look at past events a bit more um, compassionately perhaps is that the financial crash of 2007-2008 could have been as catastrophic to everybody across the British nation as this current cost of living crisis social emergency is and yet Gordon Brown who had no other prime minister had had to deal with anything like that Mm. and Gordon Brown reacted acted behaved proactively and 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 managed to keep the country from yeah. going into Mad Max. Well, but I mean, do you remember that now? Things weren't that. I mean, none of us were really like certainly not if you if you didn't. But none. Of, I wasn't affected by it. No, it was stressful reading about it and hearing about what could happen. But ultimately, a proactive leader and government took action, and 
things were like a crisis. And this is the thing, they keep using this phrase zombie government, but this is what we've got. We've got a government that's never really been interested in leading anyway. Doesn't have a leader. I mean, you've got Boris Johnson, who's been, I don't know, two holidays? Yes. It was the holiday that he'd been to a meeting. Like, he'd actually been to one meeting. <laughs> yeah, and it makes was... you wonder, like, did he only cling on for another couple of months that he could, A, say that he belonged to Theresa May, and B, so he could get his dodgy honours list through? Yeah. Because he, I... he said at the time, the country needs me. It'd be irresponsible for me to step aside because they need this strong, reliable, dependable leadership. And then he buggered off. Yeah. And, and I think that, that where, where a lot of people have got it fundamentally wrong with him is some, I was listening to something um, where they were saying, oh, well, you know, he really cares about power. And do you know what? I really don't think he does. Because if he cared about power, he would have spent the last three months doing as much as he can yeah. to shape the country as he wants. He cares about status. He cares about status and winning. Well, if he actually wanted to be prime minister again, you think you could have done good stuff in this last three months. You could have actually steered the country in the right direction. And people might, I wouldn't, I would still think it was a buffoon, but mm. people who are a bit on the, you know, there are there are people who are kind of, there are some people who liked him, who don't like him, who could be easily be won back. If yes. he'd actually announced some policies that would help people. If he'd said, look, I've spoken to energy companies and we're freezing the prices and, you know, we, the taxpayers are going to have to pay that back, but over a number of decades, people would have been like, do you know what, that's good leadership. He's actually done something that's going to help us. Yeah. But instead yeah. he's just been, photo opportunities in Ukraine on manoeuvres and did you see that video of him doing like the kind of he was like going around with soldiers in Ukraine yeah it's just embarrassing isn't it it's embarrassing it's embarrassing anyway we always end with something positive or we try to anyway so um, one positive is he's gone I mean yes you might not like what's coming but he's he's gone Um, so is there anything else Um, you were talking before we came on air that Lord of the Rings is actually good I really liked it, yeah. I mean, it's been getting a lot of back. It's been getting a lot of downscoring online. You know, like the, the Rotten Tomato score is quite high. It's like eighty-five to ninety percent, which is pretty good. But the Metacritic one is sitting at something like thirty-two percent because it's been sort of review bombed by racists because there's you know people of color in it and uh, people people can't stand right, that. They okay. don't like the fact that there's there's some black hobbits and there's like a couple of there's a black dwarf and there's a couple of black elves. <laughs> can't have that. Can't can't have no. an entertainment ruined by having like black actors in it. Um, so, but I mean, aside from that nonsense, it's it's. I really enjoyed it. It looks properly cinematic, not in a kind of fake Peter Jacksony Hobbit trilogy kind of way, but um, I just like. I mean, I like Tolkien anyway, and I just yes. found the atmosphere of it. I like the music. I like the acting. It looked really, really good. Not and not in a kind of George Lucasy way either. It just it looked stunning. Right, okay. I watched both episodes and I watched the first episode a second time and I still really enjoyed it and I'm quite looking forward to that coming back more mm. so than the next Game of Thrones episode which yeah. I was not quite so, so the second episode was a bit creepy um, not for the right reasons anything anything on your horizon you want to tell us about anything positive uh, just a couple of things I went to the cinema and I went to see Nope uh, oh. the George and Peele movie uh, which I'm sure will be coming I, th- I think it's Disney I might That's be wrong annoying because I was going to ask you if you want to go and see that next week desperately I, wanted to go and see that I'm not sure it'll still be at the cinema right enough I will no, actually go not. and see it again by the way yeah. I would actually see it again um, it is exceptionally good yeah. it's um, yeah, and I love Daniel Kaluuya. I think Daniel Kaluuya is a brilliant, brilliant yes, actor. Good actor. So, um, so that's a big fan of that. And also, um, Amazon Prime's, I know Amazon Prime's just all about Lord of the Rings at the moment, but Amazon Prime's A League of Their Own, 
based on the oh, Madonna oh, movie. Oh, God, I was thinking James Corden and uh, no, 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 Jamie no, Redknapp. No, 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 yeah. based on the, um, it's based, I, I think yeah, it's yeah, eight, yeah. eight episodes, um, but based on the Madonna movie and Gina Davis movie, but um, a little bit more earthy and realistic, I would say. Um, also, yeah, really, really good. Um, highly, highly recommend. Uh, but yeah, so there are some good things out there. People, you just have to keep looking for them. And um, and like we say, the the witch is dead, uh, or come tomorrow he will be. So uh, that's something. Long live that's the new something. way. Indeed. Anyway, <laughs> yes. Have a good week, everyone, and we'll hopefully speak to you soon. Yep. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.